0: I'm Seattle Times political reporter Jim Bruner. And I'm Seattle Times City Hall reporter Dan Beekman. Let's talk politics. Welcome to episode 84 of The Overcast, the Seattle Times weekly news and politics podcast. This week with politics reporter Jim Bruner out of town, I'm joined by KNKX reporter Simone Alisea, and our guest is Seattle Times data columnist Gene Balk whose recent columns about crime perceptions and realities in Seattle neighborhoods have attracted a whole lot of attention. Thanks for joining us, Gene.
1: Thank you.
2: So, Gene, the lead of your first column was, in some Seattle neighborhoods, folks think that crime is a lot worse than it is. How, how do you know that?
1: So, uh, the Seattle University uh, Department of Criminal Justice did a survey. They, they asked about 6,500 people in Seattle Various things about uh, their perceptions of uh, public safety, one of the questions they asked people was how afraid they are of crime and they asked them to to rate that on a scale of zero to one hundred so what I did was I looked at uh, and they they broke that down by neighborhoods there 's like fifty six or fifty seven neighborhoods so i I looked at the uh, how each neighborhood rated their fear of crime and uh, and then I compared that to The most current uh, crime rates in the city. And so what I found was that there were a number of neighborhoods where the fear was higher than average and the the crime rate was was lower than average.
0: And in order to find the crime rate, I think I read in your column, you took Seattle Police Department data on crimes and then to compare neighborhood to neighborhood, um, because some neighborhoods have more people in them than others, you look at census estimates for population. And so then you were able to. You had the crimes, you had the, the number of people, and then you could do a number of crimes per, per person.
1: Yeah. You want to do a rate to compare areas. It, you know, the way the neighborhoods are divided up by uh, the C- the Seattle Police Department, what they call micro communities. Um, they're of very different sizes. There's some are, are really tiny. Some are very large. Um, so, you know, you can get on the Seattle Police Department's website, you can look at the total number of crimes for any of those neighborhoods, but that doesn't really tell you to, uh, a rate, you know, which, which allows you to compare uh, one neighbor to the next. So, yeah, I calculated a rate using population data.
0: Okay, and so let's, let's make this real for folks and, and make it concrete. So an example of a neighborhood where the perception of crime was high and the actual rate of crime was, was low, lower than average, was Magnolia, what are, Do you remember some other neighborhoods were?
1: Yeah, there were there were a number of them, uh, and they were in different parts of the city. Um, there was uh, North Ballard, um, South Beacon Hill in, in South Seattle, uh, Pigeon Point in West Seattle, uh, Brighton, Dunlap in South Seattle. So, uh, there were probably a couple more that I'm not thinking of. Um, Bitter Lake in North Seattle.
0: Right. And then there were some neighborhoods where perception kind of more matched reality relative to other neighborhoods. I think Soto was one of those where there's a lot of crimes per people. Now, not that many people live in Soto, but there are a lot of crimes per person in Soto. And the perception of crime is high there as well.
1: Soto had the highest uh, fear of crime, according to the Seattle University survey, um and it also had the highest crime rate in the city um so it was a perfect correlation there yeah, yeah. so it matched <laughs> up and and
0: then and then the last category would be i guess neighborhoods where the perception of crime was was lower than average, but the actual crime was higher than average. And I think an example you gave for that was South Lake Union.
1: Yeah, there were only a few of those. Um, South Lake Union uh, really stood out because because it uh, registered the second lowest fear of crime in the survey, and uh, it's one of the high, you know, one of the higher. Uh, it's not the very highest, but it's it's in the top ten or eleven neighborhoods in Seattle for the crime rates. So uh, that that really stood out. But Belltown and Capitol Hill also were in that category.
2: So in those neighborhoods where fear is high and crime is low, what's what's maybe going on here? You talked to Jacqueline Helfgott, professor and chair of the criminal justice department at Seattle University, yeah?
1: I did, yeah. I asked her what what might be the, I didn't ask her about specific neighborhoods, but I just asked her in general, you know, why might there be a, a, a high fear of crime, uh, you know, that perception when, when the crime rates are, are, you know, relatively low? And she she brought up a few uh few things um the the one that uh uh the, the, that this uh, phenomenon called the mean world syndrome i use that in in the headline um, <laughs> cuz that, that i i guess was the most compelling this uh, i and, and re- this is you know based on research but it, it shows that a uh, a person who is a high media consumer someone who follows local news watches a lot of tv news maybe reads neighborhood blogs goes on Say uh, a site like nextdoor dot com, where you know which is where neighbors post a lot of you know about whatever's going on in the neighborhood, but a lot of that happens to be crime. So people who are have who have that high media consumption also tend to have a higher fear. Uh, th- this mean world syndrome being this idea that things are much more dangerous than than the reality. Um, it, th- someone who lives in the same neighborhood who doesn't consume so much media would more likely have a very you know, a much lower fear of crime.
2: Hmm. I'm, I'm curious to know, did you also talk about that, um, whether that syndrome became worse over time or, or more prevalent over time? Are there more people who are high media consumers who might be um, feeling this way?
1: You know, I didn't ask her that question. Um, so I, I don't have an answer to it. I, I imagine, though, you know, uh, a, a lot of people seem to feel that nextdoor.com is the worst culprit <laughs> <in this. laughs> and uh, you know, um, and that of course is, you know, didn't exist many years ago, right? Um, I, I don't know if, if there, there is a sense that uh, from, from much of the feedback that I've gotten uh, for people who say agreed with this idea of the column, um, that Nextdoor was a, a big culprit here, um, as well as uh, some kind of neighborhood activist groups. That seem to be fanning the flames of, you know, this kind of a, a crime wave spreading across parts of Seattle.
0: But what about just sort of the expectations certain people bring in certain neighborhoods to like a level of crime? It just occurred to me what I may th- think is a, a crime, a lot of crime to be afraid of and something I should really be afraid of. Someone else might sort of brush it off and say, yeah, that's just that's just everyday life. It's no big deal.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the, the survey asking people about their fear of crime is obviously Completely subjective, and you you know uh, it, it's certainly possible that someone who chooses to live in Belltown kind of you know you expect some you know stuff going on right, mm-hmm. and you're not going to be that afraid of it. Um, one thing that a number of people uh, who contacted me uh, about the column uh, asked about was you know well maybe you know in Magnolia or North Ballard maybe the crime rate's lower than other parts of Seattle, but the perception here is that things have gotten a lot worse. And so maybe that's why people are afraid, just because they're basing it. You know, the baseline it was, was some years ago when things were better. And that's, that's what kind of gave me the idea to do the follow-up column. Right. Where, where
0: so, look, so that's what we were going to ask you about next, which is the second column went back after you heard some of that feedback and took a look at trends. I heard crime change changed in different neighborhoods over time.
1: Yeah, that's right. I, I figured um that was a good point and uh it was worth taking a look to see if any kind of patterns emerged and, and they did. Well, and and
0: cuz some people were were had strong feelings
1: about
0: <laughs> about your first column,
1: right? We yes. should skip over that. No. Um yeah, I got I got a really overwhelming uh response to this column. Um tons and tons of email uh, which I'm slowly trying to make my way through and respond to. Really?
2: Everybody. Like way more than usual
1: yeah way more than usual. Huh. It, it may be a record <laughs> um, yeah a lot of email there was also an equally large amount of uh social media response they were they're very different I would say the the email response uh to the column was largely negative i 'd say probably two thirds was f- from mildly negative to irate <laughs> and then the the uh social media response was overwhelmingly positive and um that says something
0: about something, yeah, so so, in the email the negative response, what was just the general gist of the negative response?
1: Well, the gist of it uh people were offended by the column. They felt I was being dismissive of their reality as as they see it. um that that was one thing. Um, the, people feel that uh the the data is it doesn't reflect the reality they think that the there were all sorts of criticisms people don't report crimes people are so frustrated with the police that they've stopped reporting uh, you know that that was the one thing i'd heard I, and just a general sense um that you know even if it's not the crime rate being so high in magnolia or whatever um that there's this uh f- sense that the city's kind of it's it's all this petty crime and and Things are just sort of spinning out of control. The city council doesn't care. The police don't care I heard a lot of that Hmm. and
0: partly just sort of the sentiment of you know, don't tell me what it feels like to live in my neighborhood
1: Oh, yeah, I got a lot of that and I got a lot of and and you know some of it was uh, I mean people (laughs) Evoking these images of this, this kind of harrowing place you know, you, sh- you should come, you know, instead of just talking to some professor, come up here to Ballard and walk through feces and needles every day like we do. I mean, it's like that was literally the kind of emails I was getting.
2: Mm-hmm. Huh?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I do go to Ballard. I like it there. <laughs> it's written, I don't know.
2: You know, as someone who grew up here, there are a lot of north side, south side stereotypes. Do you see any of that at play? Do you see like when I read the column, and then when I read about the response to to the column, it felt like there was something here that we all kind of know and talk talk about, but don't really. I don't know.
1: Um, yeah, uh, I, I and I I'd say a lot of the feedback I was getting on social media addressed what you're just talking about. Um, I think there is from a lot of people this sense that. These are very privileged places that are the that are most angry and feeling like, you know, like Seattle ha- has, you know, devolved into something terrible. And it's uh, yeah, I mean,
2: <laughs> well, let's talk about what you said. You said the, the feedback on social media was a little more positive. What did what did they have to say?
1: Well, I, I mean, I, I'm so positive in the sense that um, a lot of people feel that. Uh, in, in some neighborhoods and mostly in north Seattle that that uh, pe- that there are a lot of people who are being whipped up into a frenzy over crime and homelessness um, uh, by uh, you know nextdoor.com and certain neighborhood activist groups and, and such and that, and that they um, are kind of out of touch with the reality of, of, of uh, you know the their you know their existence so
0: positive reaction on social media in the sense that People were saying that you're reporting and the SPD survey lined up with what they already thought or suspected
1: Yeah, I, I guess that positive <laughs> in that sense Yeah
0: mm-hmm. So after getting some of that feedback you decided to look at trends so not only static, you know Crime rate versus perception of crime, but what's been happening to crime over time in neighborhoods? What did you find out?
1: So Sure enough. Uh, so what I did was I looked at um, crime at around the beginning of the decade, like uh, I did an average from 2008 to 2010, and then looked at the most recent three years at, at the at the rate, uh, and, you know, and calculated the rate using population figures from that period and from, from now. Um, and so what it showed was that crime pretty much uniformly has gotten worse in North Seattle and hmm. has gotten better in central and south seattle some exceptions but but overall that pattern was very clear so um so you know that does kind of support what i was hearing from some people in north seattle who are saying well you know it's it's the reason people are are upset here is because things seem worse
0: right and the city overall i think you found crime is down now not in the raw number of crimes because we've grown population wise so there are actually more crimes happening now but in in crimes per person the city as a whole is down it's just that within that many north north seattle neighborhoods have seen crime tick up and south seattle neighborhoods have seen crime tick down
1: so the crime rate overall is down in seattle but um but if you separate out uh, property crime and violent crime it's actually the reason it's declined is is all because of property crime going down uh the rate of violent crime has gone up however Nine out of 10 crimes reported in Seattle are property crimes. So if property crime rate goes down, you know, the whole rate's going to go down.
2: Hmm. What were some examples of neighborhoods where the crime rates are changing?
1: The biggest increase in crime was uh, in South Delridge in West Seattle, something like a 56% jump in crime, mostly due to property crime increase. Um, Northgate also saw a big increase that was mostly due to a violent crime increase. Uh, and then, in terms of decline, uh there was a very big decline in South Lake Union, which is also the fastest growing neighborhood in Seattle. and it's interesting the the uh the number of crimes from the two thousand and ten period to the two thousand and seventeen period has it's almost not changed at all. Hmm. but the population has boomed, you know, so uh so the rates just plummeted. Uh, a, a number of downtown neighborhoods have seen a decline in particularly property crime.
0: And so this is all, you know, crime rates relative, you know, neighborhood to neighborhood within our city. The real big picture would be how do we compare to other big cities across the country? So how do we stack up?
1: So um, Seattle has a uh, our property crime rate here is very high. Uh, I looked at this last year, and we were sixth out of fifth, the, the fifty largest cities. So that we do have a very high property crime rate. Uh, the violent crime rate, fortunately, is uh, pretty low. Uh, it, we're like in the bottom half, and our our murder rate is extremely low. Uh, I think we were uh, last year. We were we had the second lowest murder rate after San Diego among large cities. So. Yeah.
2: Well, I guess did you get uh after the second column came out? Did did you get the same volume of of no, response? I
1: I got a much. I mean, I got a lot of response to the second column too. I, I guess, <laughs> but but nowhere near what I got to the first mm-hmm. one. And um, uh, most of the response to the second column, you know, was there's this feeling that the at least among the people who are writing to me that that the statistics are worthless, that nobody's reporting crime in Seattle. Um, that the police don't respond you know to at least to property crime, and so that there's you know why even bother looking at the statistics there they're you know they're meaningless and I, I just people would tell me all these stories about you know their their frustrations um, that that was the the overwhelming response right I got. because
0: in addition to looking at the trends in crime by neighborhood for the second column, you did also do a little bit of looking into reporting crime reporting and and, and talked a little bit about how. Uh, I think research shows that demographics can influence how likely someone is to report a crime. But you found no evidence that certain Seattle neighborhoods report crimes at different rates than others.
1: Right. There's no evidence of that. Um, and uh, it, I should also mention that, you know, this, there's nothing unique to Seattle about people not reporting a lot of crime. That That's just universal. Yeah. Uh, it it it's you know it's it, it's an interesting topic it, certain crimes have a pretty high reporting rate like motor vehicle theft is the highest um but then there are are some crimes where people are are much less likely to report like uh, rape uh, sexual assault uh, th- those kind of uh crimes have a very low rate of reporting for you know uh,
2: is there anything else we know about uh crime reporting and and how that kind of factors into everything we're talking about here
1: so there has been some research that shows that um, police response time actually does affect reporting rates, um, not in Seattle, but in other cities, this has been looked at. And uh, so the people are making the point that a slower re- response time from the police is depressing reporting rates in Seattle, you know, may be accurate. One thing that the Seattle Police Department did do was allow people to report online, which many uh, many cities do not have that. So that would be one thing that you could say would increase uh, reporting rates. Um,
0: you, you didn't, you know, in your columns have some kind of prescription for, okay, I found this out, and now that we know this, we should do this or that or, or whatever as a police department or a city. Um, but the city council got briefed actually today on... Uh, by the Seattle Police Department and, and, and the professor from Seattle University on, on the survey. And and council members were kind of talking about it. Uh, I wasn't able to listen to the whole meeting or watch the whole meeting, but it was kind of interesting. The The police were saying, we, you know, we find this helpful, even if, you know, we already know how many crimes are being committed and where. It does help to know what people are feeling. You know, when officers have downtime, maybe they can know to go check out a certain neighborhood if people are feeling afraid. That was one thing that was mentioned. Council members seemed like they wanted more information. You know, they I said, this is great to see, but let's drill down more. And when people say they're they're afraid of a certain thing like um, street disorder or something like that, what do they mean by that? Do they mean actual crimes aside from people just being homeless on the street? Or do they mean people just not being where they're supposed to be? Um, so how do you have any thoughts about you know, where this is all going, uh, at city hall?
1: Well, no, I, I don't really know where it's going to go at city hall. Um, I think judging, f- you know, judging from the response that I have gotten to this column, um, I think that it would warrant some sort of, uh, efforts by the police department. There's a, an incredible amount of, uh, distrust. Uh, people are, Saying to me, you know that the police don't care, and that um, that they're intentionally not responding to crimes. This is I heard this from multiple people. The police are not intentionally not responding to crimes because they don't want us to report them, because they want the crime rate to be artificially lower than it is. You know things like that. I mean,
0: although that's that is a self-selecting group of people who are writing that to that you. That is true. <laughs> I think one thing that I do I remember from the meeting today in the survey, which again was just a survey of a certain amount of people, respondents. I think rated their trust or judgment of Seattle police higher than of police as a whole.
1: I've been swimming in these emails. On my, <laughs> my vision is skewed, too. <laughs>
2: I mean, were you expecting that kind of thing? Like, was it a surprise to you to, I mean, maybe the volume was surprising, but even just to hear that kind of thing, like, was that something you were expecting going into that first column?
1: Not quite. I mean, I, I had a feeling I was going to get this type of response from some people. I wasn't expecting this flood of of emails I wasn't expecting the
2: level of anger so Uh, so why is this data worth looking at why is it worth you know lining these things up the way you did and and talking about it well you know I
1: I, uh you know just from um my sense of what's happening and and you know um in Seattle and uh, you know about feeling people's feelings about crime and and everything that's going on uh that uh that well the, I, you know i i guess i i had sense that there was this kind of polarized response and um i found it interesting you know the first uh, actually the the uh, the Ballard blog the my Ballard uh, blog they were they actually first um wrote about the Seattle University survey just they just did a post and they just said you know Ballard's got this high level of of fear you know about crime and and I, I noticed that there was like a ton of response on their on their site and then it got all this social media response and i that you know that kind of piqued my interest and that's kind of what inspired me to to take a look at you know compared to the crime rates and you know look at more at every neighborhood but you know it clearly was tapping into something um going on here where you know there's people who <laughs> on, di- on the different sides who feel exactly the opposite about what's going on in Seattle so uh yeah just uh I guess I've, I just thought it was an interesting thing to explore. Mm-hmm.
2: Both as passionately, right? That's the other Incredibly thing. Incredibly passionately. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for exploring it with us today. And uh,
0: we'll keep reading your comments.
1: Oh, thank you very much.
0: That's a wrap for episode 84 of The Overcast. Thanks for listening. And thanks to our guest, Gene Balk. Thanks to KNKX885 for having us in the studio again this week to record. If you want to support the locally owned independent journalism that makes this podcast possible, go to seattletimes.com backslash support to subscribe.
2: And uh, be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at S.V. You can also find Dan at D. And you can uh, be one of those people who emails Gene Balk. He's balk at seattletimes.com. And until next week, have a cloudy day.